Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Beautiful Wednesday morning. <clears throat> Wednesday morning. Here we are. This is the morning mix. I'm Ali Shapiro. Lots to talk about. So we're going to devote some time to go through the $1.9 trillion what's called the Emergency aid package. It's the $1.9 trillion emergency aid package. This is an article coming out of Forbes. We don't want to go too far to the right here. We want to try to present this Forbes, Wall Street Journal. These are all a bunch of rhino publications. So we're going to, they give a, they give a little bit of a detail as to how much of this $1.9 trillion is going to help the people. Isn't that what it's supposed to do? When you're plunging the people into debt of $1.9 trillion, shouldn't at the very least the, the money go to them? If I take a loan from the bank, would it make sense for me to take a 50,000 shekel loan and give, uh, give uh, the government 49,999 shekel and I get a shekel and I have the loan? Would that make sense? No, that wouldn't make sense. So, so why, why do the people have to take on this debt? Let's assume it's debt, and as opposed to just printing the money, obviously, which in 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 some manner it is. But we're not going to go into how the inflation is going to affect everybody. It's going to affect all the hardworking people who've worked and saved their their money over the last decades. Just printing and printing is going to affect them. There is going to be inflation at some point. But we can ignore all that because there are certain entities that are just getting rich. And they don't care who's going to suffer at their expense. Half a million people have to die in America for them to get their payout? No problem. That's okay with them. They don't mind. So this article, previous legislation has already provided at least $4 trillion in funds for testing, paid family leave, small business relief, direct payments to individuals and families, the Kennedy Center, and a plethora of non-related COVID-19 relief. Relief is is in scare quotes. Kennedy Center. I'm going to pause for a second. What's the Kennedy Center? Kennedy Center received $270 million from Congress and paid their president $5 million plus 
since 2016. It's a lot of money, right? The Kennedy Center. The Kennedy Center. You know, there's a new uh, video out on um, PragerU uh, from Will uh, Will Wheaton. What's his name? Will Witt? Will Witt? What's his name? Forget his name. Um, he uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an under a two minute video. How and he outlines and I've seen this idea before. There are books about this. How Kennedy, in many ways, was on the conservative side of things in in, in the today's political climate. He wouldn't recognize. Democrat Party today. He was against affirmative action. He was against uh, all sorts of things. There's a, there's a list of things. He he was strong military. All sorts of. It was Kennedy that stood up to the to the to the, um, in, the in the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was it was Kennedy. Kennedy stood up to the Russians. Kennedy was was a, a strong uh, a strong force. Meanwhile, there's a there's a center though called the Kennedy Center named after John F. Kennedy for the Performing Arts in Washington D.C. Disclosed that it has received $269.4 million in federal funding since 2016, including $42 million in grants and last year's $25 million coronavirus earmark that was mostly used for payroll. Which, if I'm not mistaken, they still put their people on, on, uh, furlough, but one second. Even during the 2020 pandemic, the senator said the center grew their net assets by 3.3 million to 505 million dollars. Since 2016, our auditors at openthebooks.com, that's where the sources, the money, the information is coming from, from Forbes, found a 114.4 million dollar increase in net assets from 390 million point six. So, 390.6 million. So while they're getting wealthier and wealthier, while there's while there's while there are more there's while there's more money in their in their in, in their net assets and in in, really in their bank account, they're still taking more and more money from the government. The government, oh, the government's going to give the money, right? Because the government makes money. The government doesn't make money. The government doesn't give money. During this five-year period, their president Deborah Rutter received pay and benefits amounting to five point one million dollars. Peak earnings were 218, or 2018 and 2019 when she was paid $1.3 million annually. During the 2020 pandemic year, she cut her salary. She cut her pay to 507000 which is still more than the U.S. president makes at 400000 Anthony Fauci, I think, is the highest paid bureaucrat. He makes more than the president. I don't remember the salary. Isn't that salary in front of his has salary in front of me? But isn't it amazing how much money has been given to this Kennedy Center for Arts? Must be a very important. Must be very important to the left to have a Kennedy Center for Arts. Since House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's leadership team essentially wrote the bill, our auditors at OpenTheBooks.com found what House Democrats consider coronavirus recovery essential spending. $1.5 million earmarked for the Seaway International Bridge. Now, $1.5 million isn't so much money, but why do we, why, why does the government have to pay for it anyways? Why is the federal government sending the money? I mean, I'm just saying $1.5 million isn't, isn't so much money in relation to the nine, $1.9 trillion. But who is this for? Well, this is for Chuck Schumer. $50 million is going for family planning. Like Planned Parenthood. 
852 million dollars is going for AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps Vista, and the National Senior Service Corps, the Corporation for National and Community Service, Civic Volunteers Agent, Civic Volunteer Agencies. Sounds like I'm, I'm, it sounds so noble. This includes nine million dollars for the American AmeriCorps Inspector General to conduct oversight and audits of the largesse. AmeriCorps received one point one point one billion dollars in funding in the fiscal year of 2020. People of goodwill can debate each of these goals, but is it truly emergency spending or funding related to COVID-19? For example, what is the public purpose for a hike in the minimum wage to $15 per hour, which the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, says will cost the economy 1.4 million jobs? Certainly, the coronavirus stimulus bill does provide $473 billion in payments to individuals. $473 billion. Okay. $75 billion in cash for vaccines. $26 billion to restaurants. $15 billion to help fund airline payrolls. And another $7.2 billion in paycheck protection program, PPE funding for small businesses. However, the Wall Street Journal editorial board estimated that only 825 billion was directly related to covid-19 relief now again of that 825 yeah approximate most of that isn't going to the people this is to understand how it works most of it's not going to the people yes you look at that a whole number that is how much you could directly link to the lockdown and all of and all of its and all of the, and all of the uh, all of its results but you can't you that's not going to the people. Remember, if the people are taking out this loan, then the people should be getting the money. That's not what's happening. An estimated nine percent of the whole one point nine trillion dollars is going to actually helping the people. One but nonetheless of this of this one point nine trillion, even if you're gonna say that eight hundred and twenty five billion is going to COVID relief. One trillion was expansive expansions of progressive programs, pork, and unrelated and unrelated <clears throat> programs, unrelated policy changes. For example, separately, our auditors found that four hundred seventy million dollars in the bill. Now again, what's 470 sounds like a lot of money, right? It's really not. Unfortunately, 470 million isn't even half a billion. And there are almost 20 half billion dollar amounts in this bill. Okay, so this is just, just about 120th. Nothing, right? 470 million dollars in the bill doubles the budget of the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the National Endowment of the Arts and the Humanities. 200 million dollars in the bill to the Institute Sorry, that's a mistake, that number I gave you. It's a mistake. 470 million, excuse me, 470 million is half a billion, almost almost half a billion, and there are a thousand billions in a trillion. Okay, so this is nothing. Okay, but still, it's a lot of money. That's how they, that's how they get you. They throw out billions and trillions, and you know, and they throw out trillions, and you don't even think about the millions and billions. Excuse me, the, the numbers, they got, they got blurred. There's a quote. It escapes me now. There's a quote. Um, I'll try to remember it. I'll try to remember. There's a quote. Very connected. 
This agency is so small that it doesn't even apply. Okay, uh, Institute, Institute of Museum and Library Services and the National Endowment of the Arts and Humanities. $200 million in the bill to the Institute of Museum and Library Services. I don't, why are all these things receiving funding through this bill? Shouldn't they go through the budget? Shouldn't it just be a budget? Their entire budget for 2019 for this Institute of Museum and Library Services was $230 million. This agency is so small that it doesn't even employ an inspector general, which I guess means that it's very small. $270 million of funds for the National Endowment of the Arts and Humanities. Their entire budget in 2019 was $253 million. This is this. In 2017, our study showed 80% of all nonprofit grant making flowed to well-heeled organizations over $1 million in assets. And what that means is, is that who is getting the grant? Whoever's getting, the grants are going to the people who are already, who are 80% of them are, have a million dollars in assets. Why do they qualify for, as non why do they qualify for grants? We're gonna get to this in the schools, in the, in the universities. They're endowments. Do you know what the endowments of Harvard are? Do you know what the endowments of Yale? Princeton? All these universities. All these universities. We have to wait a minute. Shocking. It's not shocking they have money. It's shocking that they're still getting federal funding. A quick spotlight on agencies and entities receiving coronavirus recovery money, and the bill includes $350 billion to bail out the 50 states and the District of Columbia. The allocation formula uses the unemployment rate in the fourth quarter of 2020. Therefore, states like New York and California who has strict economic lockdown policies and high unemployment will get bailout money. States like Florida and South Dakota who are open for business will get less. So who is that incentivizing? Who is that incentivizing? $128.5 billion to fund K-12 education. The CBO determined that most of the money in education will be distributed in 2022 through 2028. 86, shouldn't the pandemic be over by then? Or whatever is going on? 86 billion to save nearly 200 pension plans insured by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. There are no reforms mandated while these badly managed pensions are bailed out. And many of these pensions are are co-managed by unions. Normally, again, normally, if you you have to be responsible. Remember what we say, if you if you have nothing to lose, then you have no credibility. These organizations have had have, have, the, these states and these organizations officially. The way it's supposed to work is if you poorly manage your bank account, then you suffer. If you manage your bank account well, then you profit and you gain. These businesses, these these corporations and unions and 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 uh, different states have deliberately managed themselves poorly and are now going to be receiving bailouts money from the federal government at whose expense? $50 billion goes to the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. They're going to use some of it to pay for burial and funeral costs of COVID-related deaths. And hear this, 39.6 
billion dollars to higher education. This amount is three times the money, $12.5 billion, that higher education received with the massive CARES Act funding last March. So let's go through this a little bit, this, this, these endowments. Let's go through endowments here. How much do these universities have? So we have Harvard, which has the most. At the end of fiscal year 2019, they have 40, close to $41 billion in endowments. Okay. Yale has over 30 million. Stanford is 28, close to 28 billion. Does it have the billion for Yale? Yes, billion. It's three, it's, it's, it's nine zeros in theory. 30 million, 290, 30 billion, 295, you know, I get confused. 30 billion, 295 million. Okay, that's for Yale. Princeton, 25 billion. MIT, 17 billion. University of Pennsylvania, U of Penn is, is what it's called. Um, 14, oh, close to 15 billion. University of Michigan, Ann Arbor is 12 billion. Notre Dame, 11 billion. Columbia, almost 11 billion. A lot of money. A lot of money that they have. I remember when um, Madoff and his unfortunate scam hit the the world or was discovered Harvard had lost a lot of money like 40 million dollars something like that I think something like that that recalls memory and their comment was you know of course we, everyone was very upset but their comment was it's only 10% of our endowment I think if I recall maybe I might be wrong about that but I think I think as, as I recall that was a, an article back then it was only 10% of our endowment only ten percent. So, so, so these are these are universities, these universities, who aren't hurting for cash. They're not. They're not. They're not hurting for cash, and yet the and yet and yet the people are are subsidizing them. Okay. So so why is that? Why is that? You know, it's, it's somewhat connected. The the new administration has reversed. Trump administration's um, reversal of Title IX. What does that mean? The Title IX is that is the is is, is the idea. Is that these are these are um, these are um, Title IX is these are civil um, civil rights terms. So I'm not looking up this up. This up. It's just again I'm going on memory here. Um, Title IX. Uh, states that peop that the that the universities are obliged to accept the woman's testimony in all cases of sexual assault and that the boy is to be expelled and not to be given any trial so of course these are antithetical to the practices in a western country let alone america um, 
So what is it? What is it? What does it mean? So 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 according to the different stu- the, the, the different reports, the the new administration hasn't completely reversed it. They're looking into it. They're looking into it. What exactly did the Obama administration do? The Obama administration they threatened the universities that if you do not follow these rules, it was the um, what was the letter called? Dear, dear, ooh, uh, forgetting the name. There's this famous letter. Um, whatever it is, I'll, I'll get it. Um, dear colleague letter. There's a dear colleague letter of twenty of 2011. The dear colleague letter from the assistant secretary here, University of Education. Dear colleague letter. Dear colleague, education has long been recognized as the great equalizer in America. The U.S. Department of Education and its Office of Civil Rights, the OCR, believe that providing all students with an educational environment free from discrimination is extremely important. The sexual harassment of students, including violence, interferes with students' right to receive education free from discrimination, and in the case of sexual violence, is a crime. The Title IX of Education Amendments, 1972, Title IX, and its Implementing regulations. Okay, part 106, prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex in education programs or activities operated by recipients of federal financial assistance. These harassments of students include, which includes different forms of violence, are are a form of, of discrimination. I'm just leaving out certain words here. Prohibited by Title IX. In order to assist recipients, which includes school districts, in meeting these obligations, this letter explains that the requirements of Title IX pertaining to these forms of harassment also cover violence and lays out the specific Title IX requirements applicable. Applicable. Sexual violence, as, as that term is used in this letter, refers to, to these acts perpetrated against a person's will or where a person is incapable of giving consent Due to the victim's use of drug or alcohol. Now, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just reading. So, the, what the, what the government did was it threatened that if you do not follow these rules, we will restrict your funding. Okay? So, they're giving funding, they're giving funding to these universities that have endowments, that have money up the wazoo from the people, and yet, and yet, then they say to them, "We're not going to give you funding if you, if you, don't follow our guidelines when it comes to when it comes to prosecuting or or uh, different claims. Claims. They want them to prosecute the claim. You no longer have to be innocent. You're no longer innocent until proven guilty. So this is something that the Trump administration one of the one of the, one of the first things it did was it over it over it overturned it overturned." This dear colleague letter and this policy, thereby reinstating the right of the accused. It's it, it's completely irrational, completely irrational to give the accused any form of right. That's what they did. And as a result, one of the first things that this new administration has done is it has said it's going to look at those. Now, some will well, some will say, well, look, you know, you can't blame the universities. You can't blame the universities when, in reality, all the universities want is the, is, is, is the money. They need that money. If they don't have that money, they're not going to survive. So, this is an approach that Alan Dershowitz takes. 
he obviously finds it abhorrent. He is somebody who suffered from um, these allegations himself. It's not as though he's he's he he claims to always be innocent and you know and isn't until proven guilty. He claims that he's been able to prove um, each one each one wrong. Although I I will say that despite you know I I, I listened to Ellen despite all these all his his alleg- his evidence to prove his innocence. You gotta stop citing Bill Clinton as innocent too. You can't say that so and so is wrong because they claim that Bill Clinton is guilty, and that should be, and that should be, and that and that and that, and that you're going to use that as part of your uh, use, your, your evidence of your innocence. That's not a good. That's not a good argument. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alan. It's not a good argument. Bill Clinton's innocence is, is is has been in question for many decades at this point. So I wouldn't rely on his innocence to prove why these people are lying. Could be that these people are lying. But I wouldn't rely on his innocence. Not a good idea. Regardless, uh, he has, of course, uh, come out against these, this Title IX, uh, dear colleague letter. He was against it on the Obama administration. He acknowledges that Biden was, I mean, in, the, in those days he was actually cognizant. He, he was there during the Biden administration. In this, the current administration, he's not even there. He doesn't acknowledge that, but I'm just saying, obviously, obviously we know that. We haven't gotten to play any of the clips. There's some great clips of, of Biden. There's some great clips. Maybe we'll end off with some clips today. I don't know. We'll have to see. But in any case, the point is that um, this 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 approach that the reason why they have to they have to follow the government guidelines is because they want they want their money. Otherwise, they can't survive. That's it's categorically false. They have tons of money. Remember, $40 billion Harvard has is in its endowments. It is tons of money. So that's not, that's not really an argument. But beyond that, beyond that, um, I think that the, 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 there's another question. We have to ask, which, which is causing which? You know, we often say, we often like to say that the unintended consequences Due to, uh, that, that predictable inevitabilities that have, that, that are accompanied with unintended consequences are not unintended. Right? Sometimes you can see that you have to give the question, which goals are which? Are the unintended consequences not unintended because they're predictable? Or are they very much intended? And if, what, I, what that means is, is to say that the, that if you know that the that the universities are going to, by changing their guy their rules of, of of how they address these allegations, that if if they just accept the accused word against the accused accuser's word against the accused in all in hundred percent hundred percent of the time, if they accept that, so by mandating that that the that the universities accept that, otherwise they won't get funding. So your the, the claim is is that if they if they if they don't the, the claim is that if they if they say no, we're going to follow this through for, for a moment here. The argument is that if they say no to accept the fund the the, 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 the funding, if they if they say no to follow these guidelines, they're not going to accept the funding. Correct. We follow this for a second here. It's a little complicated here. Let me try and make this very simple. To but the the unintended consequence, the unintended consequence. Of the of the of the university accepting the word of the accuser against the accused is 
that that the judicial system is completely destroyed, that the innocent until proven guilty method has been completely, completely ruined. Is that an unintended consequence or not? Do we say that the universities, they don't want that to change, but simply, and this is the Allen Dershowitz approach, they simply want their funding. They don't want that to change. They don't, they don't really have anything invested in, 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 in that, in, in that, in, 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 in the, in the issue of how the accused is treated. They have nothing invested in that. They don't care about this. They just care about their funding. Or can we say that no? They are, they are accepting this because they see that they have a scapegoat, but in reality, this is what the progressive interests are. This is exactly, okay, so I hope we follow that one. This is exactly what the progressive interests are. They do want to destroy these, the lives of these men. They do want to ruin the, 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 the women too. Don't, don't think it's the, you know, the women also suffer. You know, you think, you think that if a person makes a claim and then he suffers, so what happens to these girls? These girls also suffer. First of all, it leaves university. They get sued in civil, civil court. Okay. Their lives are also ruined, but they can't ever come out. You'd think that, the, you'd think that these people would learn, but it just seems so tempting because that's how it seems. That's how it's, that, that, that's how it's, that's how it's described. It's, it's so tempting. Is if there are lots of, lots of, all I'm saying is that just because, yes, we recognize that they're not unintended consequences because you can predict them. But what I'm simply saying is, is that sometimes, even, even though they're, they're is that we have to recognize that they're, they're very much part. They're, we shouldn't, we shouldn't even think for a second that just because, that, 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 that they're not even unintended. That's the point. We have to realize they're intended. You call them unintended because what's well, not my goal. No, they are very much intended. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going one step further. I'm saying, I'm saying that even then we, even though we, you know, we always give the example that I don't want, I don't care about the chicken dying, right? No, you really do care about the chicken dying. You're just claiming you don't. That's my point. Really, they even often do. I'm not going to say it every single time. Sometimes they really don't, but that's relevant. Yeah, very often they even want what, what's going on in our world today where they want the, they want the small businesses to close. That is part of what's going on. They want a lot of these things. I hope this is clear. I hope this is clear. You know, you get, you get a little complicated. You know, I hope this is clear. They want these, these, these are desired outcomes. These are desired outcomes. So they're buying off the universities. It's true, they're buying them off. The universities don't need the money. They don't need the money. They're buying them off. But let's not fool ourselves that the, that the, that the, that the, the people who are administrating these universities aren't invested on the, on, on the, in the same progressive in the, from the same progressive outlook. Okay, we're going to finish up this article here because we want to move over to a little bit local story. $1.5 billion to Amtrak. You hear that one? Amtrak. So you think, okay, so Amtrak, you know, National Railroad Passenger Corporation in, in fiscal year 2020, Congress appropriated $3 billion for Amtrak, $2 billion from annual appropriations plus an additional $1 billion in the CARES Act. In the three years before the pandemic, Amtrak lost $392 million even after a $5 billion taxpayer subsidy from 2017 to 2019. So, you know, there's just, there's just so much, so much waste. And we didn't get into, there's, there's so much more to talk about from this bill. So much more. Diversity projects and, and sending money overseas. There's tons we can talk about. This is all, like we said, if a few, 
100,000 people have to die so that these people get their payouts. That's fine. They don't care. They don't care that half a million people have died from COVID according to those numbers. They don't care about that. As far as they're concerned, whatever it's going to take to get the public to agree to sign on to this $1.9 trillion stimulus bill. So <clears throat> there was an art, uh, an article there was an article months ago. I can't find it now. I don't know why I can't find it. I just can't find it. Um, I looked online. I looked in my in my notes. There was an article months ago about how the numbers the numbers uh, in Israel are lower. The estimated numbers of small businesses that were closing that were that close that, that were different different uh, points of 2020 were lower than in previous in previous years. This is an article. Um, whether or not they were lower per se, or whether or not they were just, you know, dramatically lower than what they were predicted, but the point is that they were lower. And, um, and I find it. And I, at the time, my theory was that a lot of businesses were planning to, were just trying to stay open as long as they could. But in reality, had no viable way to actually operate again. It just was going to be impossible. Just whatever the costs were for them to keep their business going on 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 paper for the next several months or year, whatever it would take, till they could you know and maximize whatever um, uh, grants they could get from the government. That was their goal. This was my theory. I want to read to you. I want to read to you something from the government of Israel's they, they, they their January um, uh, they put out a, on, their, on their website for certain businesses if you qualify for a grant okay so I want to read to you this is one of the boxes the way it works is is you have to put in all your information and then you have to put in it needs to check off a bunch of boxes okay yeah, how much your how much revenue you lost, etc. Fine. Okay, so listen to this question, and you have to check this out. If you don't check this off, you won't, you can't move to the next page. And again, if you check these this off, and it turns out that you're lying, then you have to pay back the money at the minimum. At the minimum. Okay, let's assume that there's no other additional. Listen to this question. This is this is. Okay, Essek. So the question asks. Is is the business that the grant is going to considered to be a healthy business that is anticipated to return to normal operation based on the current outlook? Okay, I'm, I'm loosely translating it, right? So what is the question? Is this a business... That you intend to actually, you know, based on, you know, whatever the information we have currently, that you will actually reopen. That's the question. To which I take a bow. I take a bow because that is, that is exactly the point. They know, they know exactly how many businesses are closing right now. They know. They can see exactly how much people are declaring. They know the expenses. They know everything. And even if you want to suggest that there's lots of money being earned under the table, let's just say, they know it's not enough. 
4,000 restaurants didn't open this week. Everyone was talking about, oh, there are 14,000 restaurants across Israel. 4,000 restaurants. 30%. That's roughly 30% of restaurants in Israel didn't open. They know exactly what they're doing. So they can release all sorts of studies. Oh, well, the numbers are much lower than than what were anticipated. They can release all sorts of studies. The reality is, is that, you know, they say that it's all, it's all in the money. Look at the money. Follow the money. Is this business expected to reopen in the future? That's the question. Is it a healthy, viable business? Because they know that people are just trying to ride it out. Their staff are still on furlough. They're um, they're not paying, you know, they're, they're paying their rent, they're not paying their, whatever it is, however, whatever their business is, they know that people are just trying to ride this out and get as many grants as you can. Even though the grants are subject to income tax, but if you're not making anything, then you're not going to have to pay the income tax. This is what they know. That's why they ask. If you say yes, and in reality, they can prove that you had no chance of reopening your business, they're going to ask that money back. Even if you qualified. That's what it tells you. We should be aware. It's a very, you know, it's a sleight of hand. It's a sleight of hand. The fact that we trust them. It's a sleight of hand. They know exactly what they're, what they're doing. They know exactly what they, what they're doing with their, with their policies. And they're, and they're, uh, and they're completely, uh, willing. They're completely willing. <clears throat> oh, yeah. it's a it's a very it's a very uh, troubling thing. It's a very troubling thing. In any case, that has been our show today. We hope to be with you bright and early tomorrow morning. Bright and early. We hope to be with you bright and early tomorrow morning. I am your host, Ellie Shapiro. And uh, you have a great day.